Welcome to AgTech 360, where we take a 360-degree view into emerging agriculture technologies of today and tomorrow. Our host, Adrian Percy, helps us to create robust dialogue among stakeholders in academia, industry, and extension, including researchers, growers, producers, and the overall agriculture sustainability community. AgTech 360 is brought to you by North Carolina State University, CIRSA, the Center of Excellence for Regulatory Science in Agriculture, and the Southern IPM Center. So this is Adrian Percy for AgTech360. It's a pleasure to be with you here. Likewise. Uh, great to be talking to Bobby Vick. And uh, Bobby is at a, uh, a really fascinating company called Precision Hawk. And we're actually talking in downtown Raleigh, which uh, maybe for many people isn't the immediate location you think of a really vibrant startup working in uh, agriculture and other sectors. But we're going to talk a lot about uh, drones and UAVs and uh, Precision Ag and Precision Hawk as well, but also learn a little bit more about Bobby. So Bobby, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your background. Sure. First, thanks, Adrian. It's a pleasure to be part of the, the conversation. And it's, it really is an exciting space to be in. You know, ag tech is a, it's a realm that gets a lot of news, but I think it's still a fairly new space, a fairly new uh, element of agriculture. And if you can't tell by my voice, I am a native of North Carolina. So I, I was born and raised about an hour east of Raleigh in Wilson, North Carolina. Uh, originally known, or, and I guess still known, as as the world's greatest tobacco market. And uh, so agriculture is, is a big part of my roots. My dad was a tobacco farmer for, for 30 plus years. I still have family that farms today. I was in 4-H growing up and knew NC State was probably where I was going to land. And of course, uh, I, I ended up there. Didn't know at the time that I would be there quite as long as I did, but I got three degrees out of it and uh, landed in the Department of Biological and Agricultural Engineering, or for short, just Ag Engineering, and really had a fantastic opportunity there to learn a lot about applied sciences in agriculture. And uh, what I saw from my undergrad through my PhD there was uh, I had the fantastic opportunity through the university to work with really stakeholders at every element of the agriculture space, from farmers and extension agents, you know, out in the, the rural counties, in some cases of North Carolina, to some of the leading industries in the ag tech space right here in our back door. And I saw all this tremendous development going on in the industries and in the academic side, and really a hunger among farmers to embrace technology, to embrace these new developments, but yet a gap, a disconnect between the two. My focus at NC State was around, loosely was precision agriculture. Specifically, it was around how do we make decisions about water management and doing things like using soil moisture sensors or weather forecasting and crop growth models and sensors from unmanned vehicles to make decisions about the management of crops. Uh, but really what what drives me and my passion today is to connect that new technology that's out there, whether it's on the, the chemistry side, the product side, or more of what we think of as traditional technology, be it sensors, devices, to the end users in the agriculture space, whether it's a farmer, whether it's a researcher or someone in, in between that. And that's part of what led me to Precision Hawks. So I do want to explore this idea of, of technology and the importance of new technology. I don't think many of the members of the public who are perhaps a little bit disconnected from agriculture realize how much technology and innovation actually goes on in our sector. 100%. Uh, and it's been obviously a sector that has been around for millennia, literally. And, and innovation and new approaches has always been something that has evolved over time. But I would say, at least from my perspective, you know, in the last 20 years, last 10 years even, there's been a, 
an incredible transformation in the way that agriculture is done. The types of tools and machines and sure. approaches that farmers across the globe have at their disposition and, and what they're doing. And why is that? Why why have we seen this um, uptake in technology so apparent in the last few years? And, and what is the future? What do you foresee moving forward in the next five years? Sure. Well, it's, it's a rapidly changing space. You mentioned farmers have been, by necessity, innovative, forward-thinking individuals for really the entirety of agriculture being a part of our world. But particularly over the last you know, 10 to 20 years, there's been just this rapid uptake. And I think part of it is just it's the intersection of the technology boom that is in the world today, but also meeting the needs of farmers, of meeting you know, agriculture. And the example I like to give is farmers today in the palm of their hand and usually in a smartphone have access to more information, more data regarding the fields that they're managing than a farmer would have experienced in a lifetime before. And that's both good and bad. There can be challenges associated with that. But I think with information comes power, if you will, the ability to make more informed decisions, more flexible, more nimble decisions so that we're not just managing everything the same way we always did it because that's what our fathers and our grandfathers did before us. Uh, but because we're making an informed decision based on you know real-time information from all these different layers, different streams of information that maybe they existed before, but the farmer or the researcher didn't have immediate access to them. It's the immediacy of that mm-hmm. interaction with the information I think is so powerful because a farmer doesn't have you know weeks or days to make decisions. They have minutes or hours in some cases to make decisions. So accessibility and quickness of, of that information, I think, is frankly part of what's driving it. It'll be interesting to see where the next yeah. five years take us. I mean, I always love this analogy that a modern day tractor has more technology than the first lunar <laughs> module that, that well, landed on the moon. That's frankly probably true of most people's watches as well, but, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, there's a lot of attention around autonomous vehicles and self-driving cars. It's interesting. Uh, in fact, I think John Deere just did a big emphasis on this at, a, at our major global uh, trade show. You know, autonomous vehicles in agriculture have been around for years, and it's, it's kind of interesting. There, there's still a lot of ways that we can go and, and where they can develop and go further. But in some respects, agriculture has been at the forefront of some of these technologies, whether it's GPS, whether it is autonomy or other uh, innovative technology that maybe folks outside of the agriculture space don't necessarily make that direct connection all the time. Yeah, I mean, I prefer to think of uh, an autonomous tractor rather than an autonomous car on I-40 <laughs> at Russia. You know, so you're right, you're working in a different type of environment. Absolutely. Um, and uh, we've seen in our daily lives enormous progress in the digital transformation of many, many different industries, whether it's accessing movies through Netflix or, or Prime or whether it's calling a cab with Uber. What is the current state of affairs in agriculture? How much digital transformation has there occurred in this industry? I think quite a bit. I mentioned GPS technology, and that really is, frankly, what has enabled a lot of the different derivatives of agriculture technology uh, that, that have been born. And we talked on autonomous tractors, but part of the space that I work in is now autonomous drones, unmanned aerial vehicles, UAVs, that, that a farmer can literally, with a swipe of a button, put this eye in the sky and in a matter of minutes have a a bird's eye perspective of what's going on in their field. And I think autonomy is where a lot of advancements are going to happen in agriculture, not just in the machines that they're using to tend the fields or apply products, if you will, but also uh, whether it's robots or drones that are being used to 
uh, inform more decisions and, and collect information from that field. Does that mean that a modern farmer needs to be an IT specialist or are these, uh, these types of products sufficiently user-friendly that they can actually make decisions from them? Fantastic question. And I think the answer is, thankfully, no, they do not have to be an IT specialist. There is this sort of stigma that is associated with technology sometimes of, well, I'm not sure I'm capable of figuring that out. But the beauty of the technology that's being developed today, it's hard not to go back to a smartphone. It wasn't that long ago that the concept of having access to your email or the internet or videos or whatever on a phone was foreign. But now it's second nature to us. And I'd say that probably the majority of the farmers that you encounter today have some form of tablet or smartphone or whatever that they're referencing in typically in their vehicle. And the beauty of that, and I think the great thing about the development work that we're doing and the others are doing in this space is we're trying to be mindful of identifying the problems and then developing solutions that meet those problems in an intuitive way, not just coming to the table with a solution looking for a problem. I mean, I think that's Part of what's worked against some yeah. folks and, and even us at times in this space is uh, we say, oh, this is a new technology. There's got to be an application for this. Let's now find the the problem that this solution fixes. Uh, I think folks in the industry today are realizing that the better way of approaching this is let's understand what the farmer's day-to-day life looks like. What does it look like from the time a seed goes into the ground to that crop is is managed throughout the season to it's harvested and then sold at market? And what are the pain points? What are the challenges along the way? And, and then how can we target very specific advancements to meet those disconnects, if you will, along the system? So let's talk a little bit about UAVs, as you call them, and, and drones. And Tell us, what is the advantages of using those types of tools as opposed to satellite imagery or a flyover from, right. a, from a manned plane or perhaps a, a photographs that you could actually take from the ground? What kind of advantages do they offer the grower? Yeah, we view this space as really there's benefits to each layer of information. Uh, satellite technology has become more readily accepted in, in agriculture and it's services today that you can subscribe to and get an alert or a notification when there's been rainfall on your field or when uh, there's suspected to be a problem over a field. The benefits that we see in UAV technology is really multifaceted, but it's particularly the temporal resolution and the spatial resolution. And and to put that in more understandable terms, it is that, you know, part of the decisions that are driving precision agriculture is the ability to not see the field as a homogeneous unit, but to be able to see the diversity and the variability that is within a field and maybe sometimes even from plant to plant within an individual row. And so with drones, uh, I said temporal resolution, I said spatial resolution. What I mean by spatial resolution is that we can see literally to sub-inch, sometimes even sub-centimeter precision what's going on in a field or even on a leaf of a plant. The temporal resolution of that is if I'm looking for satellite imagery or manned imagery, I've got to wait for that satellite to pass over. I've got to wait for an aircraft to be available. And it's generally going to be cost prohibitive for me to fly a small area. We're going to want to fly you know, several thousand acres for it to make it cost effective. With a drone, I can literally have it in the back of my vehicle. We can drive out to the field. An example that comes to mind here locally is a couple of years back when one of the hurricanes had come through North Carolina and there was extensive flooding crops that had standing water in the middle of the fields. And one case I can think of where a farmer literally couldn't even walk in his field yet, but he was able to put the drone up. And that afternoon, he then has this sub-inch resolution map of his field. He knows exactly how much damage is there, how much area has been affected. And 
it's not he then immediately went in the field and acted on it that day, but he had an informed decision immediately that he could start making assessments of, okay, as I'm starting to plan from the recovery of this storm, am I going to invest more inputs in this field to try to recover from it? Am I going to cut my losses and say, well, this field is, you know, it, it is what it is. Now we move on. Um, but it's that ability to see things from a different perspective and in a different time and a different efficiency than what one otherwise be able to see either walking around or relying on satellites or other mediums in between. But I mentioned to this earlier, you know, at the end of the day, whether it's a drone, whether it's an airplane or a satellite, it's a mechanism to capture information. Whether it's visual imagery that we can see with our eyes or it's thermal imagery or multispectral imagery that we can't perceive with our eyes, all of these platforms, as we call them, are really vessels to carry a sensor to collect information. And then when the power comes from that information is being able to synthesize it and, and analyze it with the software that we and others develop to make some sort of action point from the information you've collected. So really this kind of high resolution, real time imagery is really allowing growers to make very, very important decisions on how they tend their crops. And as you say, you know, whether they put more inputs in and double down on their investment or perhaps other cases, they decide not to do that. Exactly. And it's it's not just limited to farmers. We work quite a bit with uh, agronomists and what we would we loosely call service providers all the way up to the researchers that are developing the new chemistries, the new seeds to go that the farmers will then use. Um, obviously, if you're developing you know, hundreds of different varieties that you want to try in a field setting or, or different chemistries for a crop protection product, the researchers want to be able to quickly identify differences between these projects and not only quickly, but in an objective and quantifiable way. And so the drone provides a mechanism in which instead of taking hours for someone to walk through a field trial and make visual assessments in a matter of minutes, we can put the drone up collect information over it, and it's in a normalized, objective, and quantifiable way so that, you know, in that case, literally the output is a list of identification numbers and some measurable. And we're helping make that decision quicker instead of just focusing on sort of the end product of yield, for example. It's still an important factor, but if we can help understand what's going on over the course of the season and what's driving the differences between different products, then that empowers the researchers to make better decisions, which then and it directly impacts the farmers down the stream. Some of this, I think only a few years ago, people would have described as science fiction, but it's here today. Just taking this one step further, and maybe this already exists, but can you imagine drones being used to identify, for instance, the onset of diseases or the arrival of pests in a field and then communicating with other drones that go ahead and then spray those parts of the field? So you've got a, a really kind of self-contained autonomous system that is really helping the farmer uh, be very, very reactive and at the same time, you know, do it in a very sustainable and cost-effective manner. Absolutely. And you've really hit on where I think the future of of the ag technology from a mechanization hardware standpoint, I think is, it's not the individual systems, whether it be a drone or a tractor or a sprayer that I think is the the individuals I don't think are the future. I think it's the integration, the holistic ecosystem of those components together that really makes sense. You know, I envision the day and part of the limitations across the industries today is the regulatory space. You know, uh, for example, UAVs, it's a lot easier for anyone to get their commercial pilot's license today to be able to operate a drone, but it still requires an operator to be there. I truly think there's a future that's not too far off uh, wherein 
rural farm settings, you could have a drone that is based in the center of, you know, let's say a few hundred acres of agriculture. That drone takes off, whether it's at night or early in the morning, it flies the field, it does its thing, it makes some decisions while it's flying. It then transmits that information back to either some central computing system that's in the cloud, or maybe it's local to the field. And then that's initiating robots that go out, or maybe it's an irrigation system that turns on. It does still sound a little bit science fiction to to think about it, but I don't think we're too far off from that Mm -hmm. in terms of um, being able to make decisions and actually affect those decisions Without an individual having to step into that field, you know, being able to centrally manage it from a office or from the farmer's home. And that's not a bad thing. You know, sometimes, well, oh, is that going to replace jobs? The reality of farming today is it's a very labor intensive process. And there are probably decisions and management practices that we would prefer to employ that we can't today just because of the labor that it would require to do it. So I think this autonomous vehicles and the integrations of the two together. Uh, is only going to enable that further and, and make the reality of, of implementing those decisions and those futuristic seeming uh, technologies become more reality sooner. Excellent. So where does Precision Hawk fit into all of this, into this landscape? And tell us a little bit about the company. Sure. Precision Hawk, we are based here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, we've been around for almost a decade now. And uh as you can imagine, just like the ag tech space, the UAV space is rapidly changing. We sort of jokingly refer to drone years that uh, we call it around here, kind of like you would think of dog years. A lot can change in the course of a year in drones. And we as a company have seen a lot of changes. We started out very much manufacturing the hardware. We actually made a drone that had swappable sensors and it served its purpose in the industry for a few years. But what we realized was there was a need not only for hardware, and there were a lot of companies making very nice drones and sensors, but for the ability to integrate those sensors together, as well as provide software for making decisions from that technology. So today we are an end-to-end drone or aerial imagery solution provider. We have everything from pilots that can come out and fly farms for a farmer to a researcher uh, to those individuals who want to purchase hardware. We have the ability to connect them to the leading hardware manufacturers to make a complete system. And then we have software that takes the imagery, takes the information from those drones and turns it into a decision, whether it's a a shapefile for a a precision application sprayer or it's uh, some other decision point. We're we're doing a lot with machine learning to be able to count plants and not only count plants, but identify different features on plants or size plants and look for characteristics of them to be able to see things before we with our eyes would be able to detect them or at a scale that we wouldn't be able to detect. So it's an incredibly fascinating environment to be in. There's no two days are ever the same. <laughs> and you really get the opportunity to work with, you know, agriculture is sort of our bread and butter and which is the part of the industry that we focus on. But um, we've actually expanded. We work in the implications of this technology is not just limited to agriculture. Uh, we work quite a bit with, with energy companies, with construction companies, uh, insurance, oil and gas, the gamut of operations that can be benefited by an unmanned aerial vehicle is really endless. So part of our challenge is finding where do we focus and, uh, and keeping our eyes both on the immediate gains, but also the forward vision of where will this technology go, not just the near term, but long term. So you have a, a network of pilots nationwide, perhaps even beyond the borders of the United States? We do. You can think of the Uber model of drone pilots and predominantly the pilots are here in the U.S., but we do have some globally as well. And uh, what this consists of is thousands of pilots that have gotten their certification in whatever region that they live to operate as a commercial drone pilot. And this could be everything from 
they fly real estate all the way up to they do fly farms or construction sites. And uh, this network is called Droners.io. It's part of the Precision Hawk company. And if you're a pilot, you can sign up here and say, here, I provide these services as a drone pilot. Uh, But the flip side is if I'm a customer, I can log into this portal and say, well, man, it'd be really nice to have a drone pilot that come out and fly whatever it is that I have this weekend or next week or whatever. In that portal, you can connect the two together. Or if we're working with an enterprise client that maybe has research fields across the globe, we can then leverage this drone pilot network to help with the data collection that's going to then come back into our central system of software for working with it. Uh, But it helps expedite and make more cost effective, frankly, the collection of the information. And we think it's powerful because we're helping pilots in those local regions be connected to jobs in in a relatively emerging industry. But we're also allowing established industries to find operators in their locale that can help them with the adoption of this technology and make it more affordable at the same time. Excellent. So here in Raleigh, you have your operational center, you have your software development. I mean, what is the kind of profile of, of and background of all the, the folks that are working in this office? Great question. And so uh, you mentioned we're in downtown Raleigh. We're actually in a fairly new office. We love the space. It's called the Creamery. Uh, for those that are familiar with the area, it actually was a Creamery. It was Pine State Creamery at one time. And uh, we have a diverse background as a company. We have quite a few data scientists and agriculture scientists that come from NC State. Uh, but part of the beauty of being located in the Research Triangle is having access to all of the, the institutions in this area and the great uh, talent that they put out. And you know, I mentioned the data side. We have a strong uh, marketing and sales team as well. And, and then we have pilots to hardware engineers. And it's truly a, it's a... It's an engaging environment. It's a rapidly changing environment and no two days are ever the same. So that's part of what draws good talent here and part of what makes us excited to be in this area and in the space that we work in. Can you describe a little bit the kind of ecosystem that exists in the triangle now? I mean, and why is that relevant to Precision Book? Sure. Um, so I touched on the academic piece in North Carolina State University, UNC, Duke, obvious reasons, the talent bed that's there to help startups, whether it be software development to uh, engineering and, and, and in between. But, you know, part of the beauty for being located here in the space that we work in is there is quite an emerging ag tech market as well. You know, from very established companies that have been around for years that have a a global presence here to new startups that are in the region. And there's a lot of innovative uh, work going on, even from an economic development standpoint, to help attract more of those companies here. You know, you and I both sit on this research triangle ag tech cluster looking to be able to attract and tell the story, if you will, of why RTP is such a great location, not only for startups and innovation, but specifically in the agriculture space. And so I think a lot of these companies have existed here for a long time. But what's exciting to see is now companies are coming together and from different segments, not just agriculture. SAS just announced this new uh, investment in agriculture technology, going back to their roots as being derived out of NC State and looking at analytics for for agriculture purposes. So you've got companies and uh, individuals within those companies that maybe have never thought about how could the technology that I'm working with apply in this other sector now talking one to another. So I think that sort of holistic and and mutual relationship is only going to benefit not only us, but others that are looking to come to the space going forward as well. Yeah, I really appreciate your time. I've learned a ton about drones, UAVs, what Precision Hawk is doing, a little bit about what's going on in the Triangle. But I noticed that your offices are right next to a really nice brew pub. So (laughs) what I suggest is that we carry on the conversation over the road. But for the moment, thanks very much. 
Thank you, Adrian. AgTech 360 is a product of North Carolina State University, SIRSA, the Center of Excellence for Regulatory Science in Agriculture, and the Southern IPM Center. This episode was produced by Kayla Pack-Watson with host Adrian Percy and Center Director Dr. Denatia Seth Carley. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at AgTech360 and send us questions and comments to agtech360 at gmail.com. With AgTech360, we take a 360-degree view inside emerging agriculture technologies that matter. Thanks for listening.